Wolverine. All right. Hello. Welcome to Examination, where we are consuming the latest comic books and breaking down what we love about these stories. First up, it's a new run from Jonathan Hickman at Marvel. We'll be reading and examining each and every detail of the text. This is Season 1, Episode 1, Put Your House in Order. This week, we'll specifically be looking at House of X, number 1, written by Jonathan Hickman and illustrated by Pepe Larraz. You're going to have to forgive me if I uh, butchered Pepe's name. I'm excited to jump right into this issue, but first, let me introduce our team for our inaugural episode. I'm your host, Quentin Emler. I'm an elementary teacher, always looking to uh, share passions and things I love with friends, which led me to hosting this X-Men podcast. Joining me right here is Dane Rainier. He's an attorney, an X-Men comics fan. Dane, tell us about yourself. Uh, well, like Quentin said, uh, by day I'm an attorney, uh, free time at night, I'm either spending with my kid uh, or consuming these comic books that we can talk about. Up next, we have the hardest working man who reads comics, Kelsey Strutz. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm Kelsey, like I said. I work in the glazing business. I'll let you find that out on your own. It's not a mutant power. Two give, kids who, give it a Google. I attempt to consume comic books and keep them from actually physically consuming comic books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an expensive habit to get into. All right, so um, I thought for since the first episode, let's go ahead and get to know each other a little bit. So can you help us out by telling us your first X-Men memory? My first X-Men memory has to be Fox Kids Saturday morning X-Men animated show. First comic book, my parents brought Spider-Man comics and X-Men comics home, and my older brother got the X-Men, and I got Spider-Man, so that was my first introduction to X-Men comics. Are the X-Men edgier than Spider-Man? Uh, my parents well, saw Rogue, and you know that's not for children, so... Yeah. <laughs> what about you guys? Dane, what was your first experience? Um, it probably... It may have been uh, the X-Men cartoon, the, the Saturday morning cartoon show, because I, I do remember, like, specifically... The Pizza Hut uh, promos, where that you know you went, you got the pizza, and you got Night of the Sentinel, uh, like a VHS. Yeah, yeah, like a, a VHS. <laughs> I'm assuming that hopefully most of the people listening know what a VHS is. But I remember, like, because there were two. I think there was a part one and a part two. And you had to get them yes. both. And I, I, I remember. Oh, I remember. I just remember begging my parents that we had to go back to Pizza Hut because we needed. We needed the other video. I needed part two. <laughs> I'll even eat Supreme, Mom. I don't care if there's veggies on it. I'll eat some veggies. <laughs> what about you, Kelsey? What was your first experience? I want to say, I mean, vividly, it, it's similar to Dane's. And it is, is the movies from Pizza Hut. And I, I really want to say that it, it, it's from one of those programs where if you read 10 books, you got a personal pan pizza and that VHS. Personal pan pizzas. They still do that, by the way. Oh, I thought we were showing our age by discussing the personal band pizza. But <laughs> I'm glad to know that's still around. It's encouraging reading. Thank God. Yeah. Um, that, you know, possibly, possibly the X-Men beat-em-up video game. Master of Magnet. Oh, the six-player arcade machine? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. oh classic. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Comic book-wise, I couldn't tell you an arc because 
at a young enough age, you didn't really pay attention to the arc of it. So, yeah. well, you just got you one comic from the store. Sauron in it, or Magneto two or something. I know they butchered it to a degree, but to be honest, the the animated show covered a lot of the arcs from when we were kids. Anyways, yeah, Savage. It means something different now. I, I read that book recently, the previously on X Men, uh, like the you know the showrunner wrote about the show, and it was interesting because they talked about the fact that it was like the first Saturday morning cartoon that actually followed a continuing storyline that wasn't just like individual episode by episode, and that was like consi- but like that was considered a really dangerous premise because they were like, what are we going to do? Like kids don't have the attention span to like follow these and the people that are making it like, no, we, we think that they do like they're, they're smart enough and they want something more sophisticated. And that's kind of how the X-Men that cartoon show really flourished. Yeah. Um, you watch it now. It still holds up pretty well. That's fantastic. And a lot of cool stuff going for it. Let's bamp on over the Gray Malcolm Lane and see what our favorite mutants were up to this week. I'm going to ask Dane to give us a recap. What happened in House of X number one? So House of X number one, it's, you know, the start of something that's supposedly huge. Hickman has said, he, you know, he's got ideas uh, three decades out. Before we go any further, uh, spoilers at this point. So if you haven't read it, this is a good time to do that. Rife with spoilers. Pause and come back. Anyway, so we open on the new Xavier X, Xavier's mind and Phantom X's body. And we're in this very alien scene with like this tree of life kind of looking background. And there's mutants coming forth from these like egg-like pods. It looks like Xavier is basically growing these mutants. And so then we see the X-Men in kind of this backdrop. Uh, they're around the world, different planets even. And they're, we, they're planting these flowers that we learn later are parts of Krakoa. And then we get to this part where there's these ambassadors from different countries, and they're gathering to kind of tour Krakoa with uh, Magneto and the Cuckoos. And they're discussing these terms of Xavier's offer that he's sent out. Nice sort of use of cuckoos, plural. Cuckoos. (laughs) (laughs) Not cuckoos. Anyways, um, the, the mutants basically through Krakoa and the use of the flowers are able to like synthesize these three drugs uh, that can extend human life. They're a super antibiotic and a, a mental disease cure, but in exchange, they want to be recognized as a sovereign nation. No more of this, you know, picking on mutants. And we can see the X-Men have used Krakoa to set up these traveling gates where they can basically teleport all throughout the world, wherever one of these other gates is at. Uh, and then we kind of get introduced to what looks like it's going to be sort of the opposing force of this big arc, uh, Orcus, uh, that it's an organization comprised of a bunch of, like, different organizations that we've become familiar with in the comics. Like a conglomerate. Yeah, and it looks like they're looking out for basically humanity's best interests and the survival of humanity, uh, given that we have, like, this rise of a mutant nation. And we're introduced to the fact that they have a space station called the Forge near the Sun, and it's kind of interesting to look at because, like, the machinery of all of it and, like, the robotics, it stands in such a, a stark contrast to, like, the natural plant vibe of all of the X-Men scenes that we've seen so far. It's very organic uh, as, com- you know, as compared to those uh, machines. 
Uh, and then we get our first bit of like real action. We see Mystique, Sabretooth, and Toad are hacking some information from some servers. We don't really know what it is right now. Uh, they get caught and they have to fight their way out. And they wind up encountering the Fantastic Four. And so Toad and Mystique get away. They jump through a Krakoa gate, but Sabretooth gets captured by the Fantastic Four. And then out of the gate that the other two jump through, Scott Summers comes out. We get new look Cyclops in the new uh, new costume. And he's very friendly with the Fantastic Four. You know, they ex- exchange pleasantries. But he just kind of calmly requests the release of Sabretooth. And Fantastic Four basically says, no, what's going on? Why are you guys doing this? And Scott seems pretty nonchalant. And he just sort of shows that kind of like he always has been as a character, that he is he's looking out for the betterment of mutant kind, you know, regardless of any of the other outside factors. And then our kind of closing bit is that we have Magneto sort of espousing these new values and this new philosophy of the X-Men onto the, the guests of the tour. And Magneto is telling these people and, you know, kind of simultaneously the readers that mutants are in charge of this new world. They're not going to sit back passively that, you know, they are the new gods of what's happening. As Magneto likes to do. In a very very Magneto way. So he's the the right character to deliver that message. But it's interesting that it's coming on behalf of Xavier. Uh, But anyways, kind of strewn throughout the comic, though, that kind of breaks up these scenes, which is really interesting, is we have these, like, little blurbs uh, of information using charts or tables. Some of them kind of fill in gaps uh, in between what's happening, and some of them, I think, are some pretty clear foreshadowing of things to come. Yeah, I think that's uh, about what that issue is like. Oh, well, I want to start uh, with kind of what you said, that Magneto's a mouthpiece for Professor X, which he's very distant in this comic, despite being present from the get-go. Professor X or Magneto? Professor X. He's got a lot of mouthpieces, but you ne- we don't spend too much time with him. Nope. Yeah, I think he just has the one line, the, the to me, my X-Men. Yeah, there's only steps. He does a mental thing with Gene. Right, that's true. You are safe here. Blah blah blah. So Kelsey, you're um haven't been reading too many comics lately. Decided to jump back in with this. Uh, what's your take on it? Do we like this comic? I really enjoyed it. It was a good jumping in point. Uh, because they've done such a big restart, you don't feel like you have to know everything that's been going on for the last decade to get a grasp that they're going to do enough new things that what you conceive as part of the X-Men may not necessarily be part of the X-Men anymore. So as far as a starting off point for someone, it's good. Um, It has a very horror sci-fi or maybe not horror thriller vibe to it. I want to point out something too, Dane. You, you mentioned the, the scene in the beginning where he's growing something. If you notice, the scenes after that all have a date attached to them. Six months ago, yeah, three months yeah, ago, yeah. two weeks ago. The beginning scene has no date attached yeah. to it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm thinking it, it's either something like way before this is happening or it's something way ahead. Like yeah. it's, it's going to wind up being like the final scene of this Like pod people ask. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And Xavier gives that kind of creepy vibe at this point. You know, the way he speaks mentally with everyone instead of actually speaking to them. You talked about how it's, like, accessible and a good launching point, but it's definitely dense and definitely, I think it's okay to feel lost with this issue. 
it, oh. you feel lost because it's so much new stuff happening suddenly. But I, I don't feel it's lost because you lack tons of previous knowledge. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's true because it is. It, you're right because to make it such a good jumping off point, it has to be kind of dense. There kind of has to be the start of like this world building, almost yes. starting over. You know, it's it's kind yeah. of a relaunch, not a reboot. But like, I'm somebody who's been reading basically every comic with an X in it for like the last decade, and it's still even to me starting off felt a little like, oh my gosh, did I miss something? But like, you just kind of have to accept what they're giving you at the beginning as that launching off point. Where they just start talking about things in a world without giving you all the background information, expecting you to eventually you'll start piecing it together. One of the things I wanted us to put our thoughts out there on, especially in talking about how familiar we are with the characters. What do you think of the uh, costumes? There's a lot of changes. If you take a look at the cover, you'll see Wolverine in his black brown outfit. You'll see Magneto in a white kind of uh, Marvel Now look. Professor X is kind of out there. Classic Marvel girl from like the 70s. And then Cyclops kind of has a Bendis look to him a little bit. Yeah, but it's just blue instead of red. And then it's like the the classic visor. visor. It is a weird amalgamation of looks. It's like Jean's been gone so long. Why is she classic Marvel girl again? Why did they make the decision to put uh, you know, Magneto in such like something, an outfit that he's had, but he hasn't been in it for a couple of years. It's, it, it's an interesting choice. And I, I can't think that it's by accident that they were just like, let's just go through a catalog and pick the ones we like. Well, the most. It's interesting. X-Men Red was so well received, a gene heavy book. And they, they spent a lot of time re-imaging her, updating her nineties look. Did you guys think it was weird? I feel like Marvel girl is a sore thumb in this look it it sticks out i mean definitely but part of me wonders how much of this because like that scene that kelsey mentioned where he where xavier communicates with gene telepathically it almost makes you wonder like she has that look with like tears in her eyes like is she happy or you know is xavier kind of putting a lot of his influence into creating this and how much of this is just him influencing people and like if if this is the reality that he wants like these are the decisions he's making these were the yeah these were the best times where you were you be that and if he's maybe like kind of pushing that because it is it is a weird choice that everyone's in like these different era costumes uh here's a weird choice wolverine is laughing Mm -hmm. and playing with kids now He's always been kind of mentor, father, figure to a lot of characters, but this was different. Yeah. Yeah, he's always been, like, the tough tough love, like, gruff uncle that will, like, raise a kid that doesn't have parents. You know, like... Go give me the beer out of the fridge. Right, right. Jubilee from the cartoons. Uh You know, he's done it with Rogue in the movies. Pull these bullets out of me. (laughs) Like, all of those people in some medium, he's been, like you know, the the rough uncle that kind of helps raise them. But never like that. Never like rolling around on the ground with the kids. Yeah. Like, oh, get over yeah. here. One of the, probably the most familiar uh, sections of the book probably came from that uh, Mystique and Sabretooth breaking into the place and the Fantastic Four stopping them. The most comic booky part of it. Did you guys think it was interesting that they picked 
the Fantastic Four to be who they interact with, since this is such a showcase of these Fox properties coming back to the fold? Or do you think that was just something they decided to do? The Avengers are so heavily soaked in everything now. I, I think you're right in that it, it is bringing back the Fantastic Four a little more. Um, also, keep in mind, isn't Sue's kid a yep. mutant? Yep, yep, yep. This is just what I was going to bring up. But, so I, I think Franklin Richards is going to play a big part in this moving forward. I don't think it's an accident they picked the Fantastic Four. I don't think it's an accident that Psychops specifically said something you know about Franklin and his like parting right, words. Yeah. And then on the page defining Omega-level mutants and listing them out, Franklin Richards is listed on it, and he's yeah. like highlighted in red as that's somebody also their, that's their main resource. Where they said yep. the precious resource is Omega Eleven. Yep. So I I anticipate the choice of the Fantastic Four there was very uh, intentional, and I think Franklin's going to play a bigger role in this going forward. So Hickman had a run on Fantastic Four. It's probably what got him kind of on the map. It's what he did directly before his Avengers run, where the Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom and Secret Wars were the culmination of all that. Um, his run was very Franklin-heavy, so I'm, I'm glad you focused in on that, because that could be something he wants to bring back. Also, if you check out Marvel, I think it's Marvel 1000 or the end of Marvel, Franklin Richards recently was featured in that pretty heavily. So maybe there are big Franklin plans ahead. If you want something to go read to help you understand this more, we also, uh, obviously there's Hickman's run on Fantastic Four would be a great place to connect here and probably why they brought them in as well. Uh, Secret Wars, um, if you want to see just the scope of what Hickman likes to do and these big stories that make you lost, checking that out is helpful too. And the only other thing I can think of that would set you up for this, we talked about the Ultimates run that he had the other day and how his costume for Professor X looks kind of like another character. He maybe turned evil. Does anybody want to talk about that? Yeah, I think you should probably turn as the Maker. Yeah. Yeah. The Maker, is that what they call him? Yeah, so I, I don't read a lot, because that's Ultimate. My understanding is it's like an evil Reed Richards, who's kind of like using his powers for, you know, not good, the way he does in the Fantastic Four. And you're right, because like the look of him seems specifically like the maker Xavier's look looks like the maker and the other thing similar yeah yeah and that's the other thing is it like correct me if I'm wrong but that was part of what the maker was doing right was like creating like more perfect utopia ideas yeah his image right which seems very much like what our new Xavier is doing they both have this like fresh start kind of thing where it looked like maybe Cyclops and Jean were being born in the first few pages or some sort of creation type of thing. And I know the maker was creating his own race. So if there's a connection there, that might be something to look at. I don't know. So I think the thing that I, I think the biggest question is they come away, come away with this. Cause like we see Xavier's acting in a way that's not very Xavier like. And so I guess my question at this point is like, who is Xavier? You know what I mean? Because now I think he's in that astonishing run. He said he's now X is the name that he goes by. But, you know, since Xavier died in AVX, he's gone through like so 
much in the sense that like, you know, he he's Charles, but he's in the body of Phantom X, but his psyche was fused to the brain of the Red Skull. And then he's been in the astral plane under the control of the Shadow King. Like, is he all of these people? Is he none of them? Like, what? Who is he? Like, what are what are the goals here behind him? And then there's the Cassandra Nova element where it's like, what are we actually looking at here? And I don't think we can trust this Professor X as he's out there by any means. Which is interesting because in that astonishing run, everyone was like very like, oh, this isn't our Charles. Like something seems off, but like at the start of this, the, uh, you know, the house of X, everyone's sort of like, yep, this is the mutant mission. I bought in. Here we go. Phantom X, the body he inhabits. Is Phantom X technically a mutant? I don't remember. I don't think he technically is. I don't think so. It's hard. Cause he's been, he's built. He's like a, he's like an organic sentinel. Here's something to keep in mind. Then going forward, theoretically, new professor X cannot use Krakoa. Krakoa. Yeah. Well, well, he doesn't come visit. It's interesting. Do you think the other X-Men comics are going to get finished? Do you think there's this directive where they got Hickman and they maybe have a timeline of like when they want these comics out to where they're not finishing that story and we're just supposed to take it at face value that this is the new direction? I think this is the new direction. Yeah, I think a lot of stuff's going to drop they are off. Going to do, they're going to do this. They're going to do Powers of Ten. And then I guess once the, that six issue run on each of those, the so twelve issues, uh, once that's done, they'll start launching out to new things. I think. Yeah. So overall, from the group. Yeah. Overall, are we excited about the new direction? I'm very excited. I mean, I know Quentin, you know this out of me, but people listening may not. That I'm a major homer for two things, and that's the X Men and large, like, overarching story arcs. So, I mean, I, I think this could have been the worst comic in the world. I still would have been all in. But thankfully, it was pretty good. And I'm, I'm looking forward to where it's going. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, definitely a great comic. Uh, let's go ahead and share our favorite or least favorite moment. Kelsey, I'm going to put you on the spot. In the comic, what part really stood out to you and got you excited? Was somebody... How they looked, some scene. What what stood out to you? Um, the exciting part to me is kind of Magneto's threat to everyone when they start kind of just laying out that yeah, we're offering you these three great things. You got to recognize us as a nation, but basically, you better recognize us as a nation. Um, <coughs> basically, making everything on their terms, which is very un Charles like in 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 that fashion, at least what, what I had known to be Charles. Like, um, another thing that stands out to me that, that I find weird that may come up. Um, Cypher is the only one who can speak with Krakoa. No one else can do it. Gotta love when they bottle nose it through, uh, a character kind of puts a bullseye on their head as far as who you can trust. You think of they're so reliant on, and I talked to you guys about this, they're so reliant on what a mutant power can do that if you don't have a backup contingency in that power, you're SOL. Yeah. Do you think there's a chance? I I kind of wonder if Kako has got control of Professor X even or something. Like they're putting a lot of faith in this one element of the story. 
Yeah, how much? I mean, how much do we know about Krakoa? I mean, how, you know, other than the, the X Men big issue back from early '90s, late '80s, or whatever. <coughs> you know, it's it, it's obviously going to play a very large role in the fact that they've now planned to have bats on the moon, Mars, all over the Earth. Uh, it's. And again, from the beginning, like we're saying, where we saw pod people basically coming out. Yeah, that that is kind of the question as to whether Krakoa is going to be like an actual character in all of this, or if if Krakoa is just a like a setting and plot device. Yeah, that is true. All right, well, um, moving forward, I'm anxious to see what they do with it. I'd like to know why characters look the way they do. And I'd like to see some of the mutants that we haven't checked out. Next week, we got Powers of X. Look at that and see if it adds anything to the mystery. This is how we're going to exit each time by entering the danger room and playing a quick game of Marvel 20 questions. They're going to ask 20 yes or no questions and try to guess the Marvel noun that I'm referring to. Uh, we practiced last night. I think it took you guys 14 questions to get our first one. Uh, let's let the game begin. Are we playing another round? Yeah. Okay. Uh, is it a character? Yes. Is it alien? No. Is it an X-Men? No. Is it a meta? Like a meta-human? Like, yeah, superpowers. I would not... I'll say yes if the definition is, do they have superpowers? Okay. Yeah, a meta-human, meta, meta yeah. They have powers of some sort. Okay. I don't know if this is really going to limit it much, but have they ever been an Avenger? Oh. No. Oh, that's... That is like asking if it's a woman in a game of Guess Who. Guess like, who. There's only like three people in the Marvel Universe that are not. Hey, is it a woman? No. That's five. Okay, so it's a man, not Avengers. It's got superpowers from Earth. Is that, Oh, from Earth, you're asking. Or are you yeah. clarifying that as a non-alien? I'm clarifying, because we asked if it's alien. Okay. You said no. It's a non-Avenger, non-X-Men man, man with powers. Just to clarify, you asked if it was a woman. That's true. That is true. Uh, let me ask you, when you say that that they are a meta and that they have powers, that would rule out, obviously, somebody like Tony Stark, who is just using tech, correct? I'm answering the question, do they have superpowers with that? That's essentially what I answered. Okay. Would, so would take that count, as you will. Would you count that as having a superpower? I think... I would count Iron Man. No, I would not. Okay, okay, okay. Well, here I'll ask this: Are is it a man? I would consider yes, it's a man. It is more masculine than feminine, but not necessarily a man. Are they a or, or is this individual a villain? No, not an X Men, right? We, we established yes. that. Not an X Men. Not an Avenger. You, th- you think he- you think he's counting Avengers as just the Avengers, and we got to ask like West Coast Avengers? We got to ask. I mean, I'm, I'm grouping up everything. Yeah, but that could just be our own mess. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but we we've only got 20 questions. How many do we have left? You're at seven. We've only got 13 more, so we gotta we gotta play careful here. Okay, so it's a man. He well, not a villain. 
a non-villain man with powers. Non-X-Men, non-Avenger. Are they associated with a team? Yes. But not X Men, not an Avenger. And we're talking Avenger all time, or are we talking like? I I don't consider him an Avenger. I can say this: their Wikipedia page, Avenger, is not listed as a team. Are they a displaced human? No. They don't reside on Earth anymore. No. No, they they. No, they are not a displaced human. Okay. Oh, so Re- Residence Earth. Uh, do they have hair? God, go guess who's on that. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm writing that down. Yes, question mark. Would you consider them a street level hero? No. Berserker Barrage! That's 10 questions. You guys have asked a lot of like clarifying questions. You're, you're a benevolent. Okay, Dane has asked clarifying. Questions. <laughs> uh, all right. So we have a non-Avenger, non-X-Men. They have powers. They're not street level either. Not street level. They are a man, non-villain. They are associated with a team. Are they a mutant? Going to say unknown. So that's a pretty big one, but there's no, I can't say yes or no. Are they associated with? Like the X, are they associated with the X Men? Do they associate with them? They yes. Okay. Hey, you should ask if they're Canadian. Um, or what was it? Alpha Flight. That's Alpha Flight. That's a team. I, I have a guess in my head, but I'm, I'm going to whittle it down. Um, oh, you have a guess in the are they known for using weapons as well as powers? No. Okay, my guess is that. Are they a member of Alpha Flight? No. <laughs> okay. Hey, I'm knocking out two of them. That's 14 questions. They're associated with the X-Men, so... Heroes... So I, I, I'll give you, just so we're whittling stuff down, I debated whether he was talking about Phantom X. The reason being because he's not an X-Men. He does have powers. He's not an Avenger. He's a man. He's not a villain. He's on a team because he's done, like, X-Force and Force. stuff. He lives on Earth. The question of whether he has hair is questionable in the sense that he almost always has a mask on. When he has it off, he does have hair, but he's currently Xavier, so he doesn't have hair. And we discussed it was unknown as to but whether he was a questionable whether hair or not. He said yes. I mean, Phantom X definitely has hair, but you don't see him without his mask on ever. So we we have seen him without it before. I know, but like I didn't know if you were playing that from the Xavier angle now that he is X. Yeah, He's yeah. Definitely bald with that. I don't think I'd want to put myself in a position where I was putting two characters together. All right, we're at question 15. So we're looking at a, someone who's associ- who associates with the X-Men. They're on a team that's not the X-Men. They're not a bad guy. Not street level. This is your question, by the way, Dan. Oh, it's mine? Yeah. Yeah, he asked Alpha Fight. Oh, it's, I forgot about the Alpha Flight. 
Why are you laughing at that? <laughs> four questions and and a guess. If four and a guess for me. Would have been fucked. So what do you think our best strategy here is? Because we're trying to whittle down the team. Well, if we know the team, then we can at least get a. But we only have five questions, so. So how many teams do we think we have available to us? Got to be associated with the X Men that aren't bad, that that are. And I want to say Warlock. And might be a mutant, but might not. Remember, I said. Yeah. Are they either a Marauder or Morlock? No, they are not associated with Marauders and Morlocks. Okay. Wow, you got a two for. Well, that, it was it was it was risky because if he said yes, we'd have to whittle it down. But uh, not a bad guy. That gives us four questions left. Uh, three and a guess. They associated with Excalibur. No, two and a guess. I'm I'm stymied. Remember, uh, not. A female, definitely a man, not street level, might or might not be a mutant, we don't know. Um, associated, but not a X-Men, associated with mutants and stuff. You've, you've got a lot, so see what we can do. Not a bad guy. Have they been in any Marvel movie? No. Two questions and a guess. Um, okay. Who's questionably a mutant? And, and they do have hair, or they... <laughs> you know, it, I hesitate to say yes, but if you look closely, it's there. What? Yes. Less hair than you, Kelsey. On your head. Savage. Take that as you will. (laughs) (laughs) Dane (laughs) 2. Not a movie. They haven't been a movie. So it means non-Avengers, non-Guardians, non-X-Men. It's not Spider-Man. Not Spider-Man stuff. Uh, we're looking at... I mean, it's not a bad guy, but we never said... Is it a good guy, did we? Right, it's a non-villain. It's a non-villain. Why couldn't things be more black and white? Two questions and a guess. In the golden age. Uh, it's a male. Correct. Not a member of the Morlocks, not a member of the Marauders. Might be a mutant, I don't know. Is the individual young? Like, I'm talking, like, young. No. <laughs> good Good definition. <laughs> so, I mean, let's say... How can you rephrase that? Pre-pubescent. Pre-pubescent. No. It's not perfect. Okay. Trying to knock out. Do, do, you want me, do you want me to ask if they're elderly? <laughs> do they have facial hair? No. That leaves you with your 20th question. X-Chicken! You've got a lot to work with. 
not on the X-Men, may or may not be a mutant, has minimal hair. Minimal hair. Is a guy, not a girl, not a villain, but floats around being a mutant. Floats around? Was that a hint? Floats around being a mutant. Like, not really a mutant, maybe. Who knows? Uh, so, discuss. Let's get it, like, one minute and give me a guess. I think that was a hint. I think floats around. Ooh, I think... Is Longshot? No, Longshot is Harry's mullet. Correct. That, glorious, <laughs> glorious that one was a long shot. <laughs> we could use his luck powers right now. We could, because I have no idea. Kelsey, channel your almost bald, maybe mutant powers. Yeah, maybe mutant powers. <laughs> no, Fabian Cortez has a long head, there's long hair. Oh, you digging into the bottom of that toy chest. Wait, bad guy, too. You got anything, Kelsey? No, I got nothing. I don't think I. I don't think I, I do either. With my best guess, I, was I, I want. I want the listeners to know we won this last night in our test run, but I think we're yeah. stumped. All right. The answer. Okay. Uh, associated with the X Men, not an actual X Men. First appearance was July two thousand one in X Force Volume One, Number One Sixteen. He's green. He's worked at the Jean Grey School, member of Ecstatics and X Force. He has an extra dimensional void within his body that can store objects and people, none other than Doom. Doom. You got duped, yep. (laughs) Good, that's good. I thought you guys were going to give Deadpool as a guess with he his messed up right. body. When you said no weapons with it, then yeah, the power. Oh, weapons made you think not Deadpool. Well, that was close. Qualify as a man? That's why I hesitated. They use the pronoun he. Hair, yes? <laughs> it's still a little. Right no, I know, I know. Listeners, look closely. You'll see him. The good artists draw that hair. Pay attention to the detail. Well, that just about wraps it up for this week. Thanks again for listening. Next week, we'll be looking at Powers of X, number one. Please help us get recognized as an Omega-level podcast by rating us five stars on your favorite podcast app and give us a review that would make us mutant and proud. Until next week. Wolverine.